My wife Sana and I just watched a great documentary on Frank Sinatra, the great singer from the 20th century on Netflix. It was two episodes, and each episode was about two hours long, so it's about a four-hour documentary. And if you're in the market for a great watch, I really highly recommend it. Now, I've always been a fan of Sinatra, even though he was before my time, just like listening to his music. But this documentary taught me a lot about his life, his beginning, how he made it big, his personality, his principles, convictions, sometimes a lack thereof. But one thing that stuck out to me watching this whole show is how Sinatra always maintained control over his environment. Very important as an artist. He disdained rock and roll music, especially the circus peanut fluff that was playing on the radio in the 50s, like how much is that doggy in the window? Yuck. Even when he realized that it was inevitable that rock and roll was here to stay, he embraced it in a way in which he had control. Like when he signed Elvis Presley to his record label in Elvis's early days, the two of them appeared on a PR, PR announcement in which he and Elvis sang a ballad together. Not rock and roll, but something that Sinatra would have done. Even with the teenagers, the teenage girls screaming every time Elvis moved his mouth, which must have made Sinatra either jealous or nostalgic, it was an environment created and controlled by Sinatra. Frank Sinatra created the set list for each concert he performed and every album that he recorded. What was the criteria that he used to create these set lists? What he was feeling? What he thought his audience needed to hear in that moment? He understood the principle of music being a language that communicates thoughts, feelings, emotions that can't be expressed through words. Of course, words were an element of the experience, as the lyrics were essential to the experience, but the experience as a whole was the music. It wasn't a speech, it wasn't a movie, wasn't a lecture, not even a radio broadcast, or the modern-day equivalent, like a podcast. He used those mediums, especially movies, to remain in the public eye as long as possible. But those were just a means to an end, and that was to get into that environment where he was in control and where he felt completely at ease, and that was singing on a stage or in a recording studio. A big reason for this is that on stage or in that studio, he had complete control over what was communicated via those precious set lists, oftentimes scribbled down on a sheet of paper just a few hours before the show. Now, this documentary put me in mind of the modern media landscape. A big part of what makes podcasting, for example, so attractive is that it gives literally anyone with an internet connection and halfway decent microphone a platform to say what is important to them. But how true is that? In this cancel culture in which we exist, people are being deplatformed. Lives and reputations are being ruined because of an opinion that doesn't fit on the 3 by 5 card of allowable opinion, hat tip to Tom Woods, created and moderated by the people who run these huge tech giants. Is it freedom or an illusion of freedom when Apple can take down your podcast because your views aren't aligned with what is acceptable in polite society? Well, I'm not saying this because Apple, Apple is guilty of doing so. They do deplatform people, 
but it's for reasons that in my view are legit. But can, can the same be said for Facebook and Twitter? It depends on who you ask. And how long will it be before Apple goes the way of Twitter when it comes to shutting down accounts for vague reasons such as violating community standards? For me, I would rather maintain as much control over what I publish as possible. I don't want things that I say and put on the internet to be at the mercy of the the whims or the uh, or the or the the mob running these tech giants. And it is an issue. And this is why I've partnered with people like Troy Broussard and Ben Settle who've created the Learnistic mobile app platform that I've mentioned many times on my email uh, subscription as, as well as this podcast. And while I'm happy to use Spot- Apple and Spotify to get awareness of who I am and what I'm about, at the end of the day, I'm not going to put my livelihood at the mercy of someone like Emily in Paris, another Netflix show that I've been dragged into. Thank you, Sana, who decides that my views are all of a sudden offensive to a politically favored sector of society. Now, you can take me seriously or you think I'm a conspiracy nut job. It really makes no difference to me. I'm just calling it like I see it. So if you want to learn more about the mobile app that I've been uh, mentioning many, many times in my email newsletter, as well as this podcast feed, just go to committedmedia.org and sign up form. I've got everything automated so that you have all of the instructions that you need to get to register and download the app and get access to my little section of the Learnistic mobile app. It's pretty slick and it's amazing. And I really, really like it. It's a bit of a, it's kind of labor intensive to get to it because it's new technology and there is always kinks being worked out of something brand new. But you know what? YouTube didn't start out being as easy as as it is today. They had their own things to work out too in the early years. So that's just to be expected with with a, a new type of technology. But I highly, highly encourage you to check it out or check out learnistic.com if you're looking for a way to uh, distribute your content in a way that you control and it's not at the mercy of someone else. Thanks for listening. Again, it's committedmedia.org. Go check out the app.